Good morning, and welcome to worship here at DL St. Andrews this morning. It's good to see so many folk here, and it's good to see folk from all ages and all sections here as well. So we're here to praise the Lord. We're going to start doing that as we sing together, Jesus is the name we honor. And so let's praise God as we sing this together. We're making your work, Andrew. <laughs> in that, isn't there, just as we come to praise. Sometimes we forget that actually, as we, as we come to praise God, we're coming because God is good. We're coming because this gospel that we have to sing about is amazing. And however we're feeling, however we come, as we think about God's love for us, as we think about all that he's given us, as we think about our Lord Jesus Christ who came to die and rise again, then it should turn our hearts to joy, a deep joy. It's deeper than just feeling happy that day. Sometimes it's a joy even amid the tears of all that's broken. So let's come and pray to this good God. Father, we want to come just now and we want to thank you for Jesus. Jesus is the name we honor. We honor that name because he came, because he humbled himself, because he served, because he didn't lord it over and just simply command us what to do, but Lord, in him you showed your love for us as he died. And Lord, as we come today to your word as your people, we ask that you would help us to honor you, not just in singing songs or doing church things, but in giving our hearts to you, honoring you in being like Jesus, in loving each other, honoring you in giving you all the things that are wrong and broken and asking for your forgiveness, honoring you in asking that your Holy Spirit would fill the words that we speak, the attitudes in our hearts, and all of our lives, that the worship that we have this morning might flow into tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday as we live for the Lord Jesus who loved us. And so we come and we pray the family prayer in His name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins 
as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Sorry, I got mixed up with the words. Last week, we had a bit of a party here. We, had, um, we were celebrating the wedding at Cana. We had some fizz and some cakes. There are uh, teas and coffees and cakes and other things through in the hall afterwards today. hope you can join us. But we're not going to end that party. No, it wasn't just a one-off. We're going to follow that through. In fact, we're, you're all invited to a party. Who likes parties? I'm going to invite a group of folk to come and tell us about the party we're going to have. Marina. Abigail's going to join you. Is it the, the, the two of you? Yes, you. That's brilliant. Morning, everyone. Just a bit of history. We had a meeting a few weeks back um, to discuss about families and... Oh, sorry, can you see me now? Um, moving, moving forward and welcoming. We were then tasked with, can we come up with a party idea? So, myself, Anne, who's left me up here to do the talking, <laughs> Abigail and Emma also got involved in helping and brainstorming and thinking, how can this, what can we do as a church here in Dale St. Andrews, have a party, celebrate, what can that mean to us, what can that, what can that bring to us as a church? So, the girls have been absolutely amazing, and I have to say, if it wasn't for them and their ideas and everything that they've brought to the table has been absolutely amazing. So, we have came up with DL St. Andrew's Summer Party. So, that's taking place two weeks' time on the 10th of September, which you all have your leaflet for. The girls designed all the posters themselves. Basically, our theory behind this is, we are here as a church. We are here as a church family. Families may look different to each and every one of us. Some of us may have one child, two children, however. You may not have any children, but here in the building we are a church and we are a family. We want to now welcome other people out in the community into here as a church, as a family. So we've got leaflets going into schools. Please tell people, please share about it. Please welcome people along. You don't need to have children to come to this party. It is for everyone. We are a family in this building today so lots of fun activities may not be what you like but come and welcome us and join all in if you want to add anything um if you come along and join us please welcome others to come and join us too because we'd love to see you all there thank you thank you everyone. Some elders and others were away yesterday. We, we, we just had a, a day away for some leaders and we were spending some time thinking about themes uh, of what we're going to do as we go forward. One of the things that we're seeing is it's really important to enable folk to do things as a church, that we can do some different things and new things, but also to encourage each other. And that includes those that are leading our existing organizations, which are starting back just now, uh, and folk that are doing new things. So can I just ask in the, in the days that come that we would be encouraging folk, uh, and particularly just now this new venture, that if you can come, even for a bit of the time, would you please do that? Um, it doesn't matter how many folk come. Um, it's just good to be together and, and to enjoy one another's company. But at the same time, I would ask you also to be looking around for all the folk that are starting new things, whether it's uniformed organizations or Sunday school guilds and everything else that are starting back in the while, and look at the work that they're doing and just encourage them. Just thank them for what they're doing in your name uh, as well as in Christ's name. Anyway, enough of that. I wanted to think this morning about... Living differently. We had a memory verse last week. Can anyone remember it? This was when I work out whether you were paying any attention. We had a memory verse. John 10, verse 10. Can anyone remember? I was waiting to see somebody put it on the screen or to, to, to cheat. What was it? Doesn't matter which translation. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it 
abundantly. That's right. And Christine made a whole load of cards, which everybody that was here was offered one of these with a verse on it. If you didn't get one, I've got a whole pile here I'll leave at the communion table. There's more at the door. Please take one away, because it's just reminding us of the life that Jesus offers to us. I've come that you might have life. And really what, what, what that's about is Jesus offers us as believers the gift of His Holy Spirit that we can live our lives a bit differently, completely differently. Can you see the Holy Spirit? It's quite a difficult thing to think about the Holy Spirit when you cannot see the Holy Spirit. But you know, there's lots of things that we can't see that have energy. There is a little battery in this, a little amount of electricity in it. And if I take one end, the electricity is flowing into me. You can't see it, but it can't do anything. But if I take both ends, do you know what's going to happen? Scientists do, don't they? And that's because when I connect both ends, when I grab it on, the little battery puts power, which is going right through me. I didn't even feel it. I didn't feel it at all. Anyone wanted to try it? Anyone to have a, you want to try it? Come out and try it, yeah. Anyone at once, yeah. We need to be careful because it is a glass tube, so if we drop it, we'll smash it. There you are. You want to grab both ends? If you grab one end, nothing happens. There you are. Yeah, have a shot. There we are. Can you just stay there for a minute? We want to try something else. Do you want to try it as well? Yeah, Iona, there you are. Rory, do you want to try it? It's fantastic. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come and see if you can make it work. When you do that, that power, that electricity is flowing right through you, right through your body. You can't see it, can't even feel it, but it's there. Wonderful. Just, we need to watch, we don't drop it because it'll smash and that'll be the children's address wrecked. <laughs> fantastic. Do you know there's something else we can do with this? Because we saw how that electricity flew just through my body. Can I get everyone just to hold a hand? You want to join in? Now you take that end, and I'll take that end, and now you hold a hand there. Do you know what's happening there? The electricity is flowing through your hand, 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 and all the rest. And you know what happens if one person drops their hand? You, want, you two want to just let go hands? Wow. And that reminds us, I think, the Holy Spirit is, yes, flows through us if we're believers, but really, God sent the Holy Spirit to flow through all of His people in the church. All of us, as we work together, as we are together, empowered to live a different way that people might see in us something of God, but we have to stay united, don't we? Do you want to hold our hands again? That's amazing, isn't it? Somebody else want to try dropping a hand and see what happens? Oh! So if one person steps out, the circle is broken. And that's a bit like that in church. Sometimes when one part of our body, when one part of our community isn't getting things right or is, 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 is not feeling that they're part of things, suddenly it doesn't work. And we need to make, again, a unity that allows the Holy Spirit to flow. Let's give one last try, will we? That's amazing, isn't it? Do you know what else we can do? We can invite other people to join our circle. Can you see if anybody else wants to come and join our circle? Doesn't need to be a child. There we are. And we can always make room for more. And more. And more. And more. And more. And that is the wonderful thing about the kingdom of God. It's always inviting others to be part of this circle. Now, a scientist is going to tell me that it will only go a certain size. <laughs> but there we have it. Is that great? I think it's a fantastic. Thank you very much. It reminds us of two things. We are the people of God, and this invisible power of the Holy Spirit flows through us. And what people see is us united, not the invisible power. 
but they see God's work within that. But it also reminds us that our circle must always be inviting, drawing more and more folk in, but we also need to look after each other that we walk in step together because any one of us not there, dropping it, and suddenly something that is precious is broken. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing about that just now. We're going to sing, the Spirit lives to set us free. Walk, walk in the light. Now, some can sing. Some of us will want to clap. And by the way, if you want to do a Congo round the church, you can do that too, because we are praising God and thanking Him for the power of the Spirit sent in Jesus. Andrew. Now the children are going to go out for Sunday school, which starts again this Sunday, and we ask that God's blessing and spirit would go with them and the leaders as they go out just now. Just a, a couple of other announcements before we, we sing again. And uh, one is on a sad note to announce the death of, of one of our members, Archie Giggy, um, who died just last week. Um, Archie, I think, I think was fairly regular here until just the last uh, few years when he wasn't able to come. And uh, our thoughts are with his family, particularly his daughter Yvonne, uh, at this time. I think the details are in the sheet for those that want to come to the service, which will be on Wednesday this week at Fife and Das at 10.30 and then 11.30 at Holy Town. The only other thing to, to say at the moment, other than the party announcement, is that the presbytery plan, um, we will have in the draft presbytery plan in this coming week, and we'll let you know next Sunday what's um, for us. 
uh, or what's in the, the envelope, as it were. I would just ask that you pray for that. Just to avoid any doubts, some of you will be hearing uh, some of the draft for other areas. It is coming out in, in, in bits and pieces uh, in that way for area by area. So if you've heard something, it's not that we, we know something and you don't. Um, we, are, we are waiting to hear um, this, this week. But I would ask just for your prayers for that. Prayers both for, for how it will be received and, and, and where we go from there, but also prayers for our own attitude um, that we, we, we enter into this really seeking what God is saying. Um, bear in mind when you do hear the, the plan, it is a draft. It, has not, it will not yet have been agreed. It's what the committee are proposing that still needs to be discussed, and we will have an opportunity to respond to it. And also to know that even when it's agreed, it's a plan. It doesn't make things immediately happen. It's the direction of travel of, of which the Church of Scotland will see our, our churches going forward in. Um, if anyone has any more questions about that, myself or one of the others on the group will be happy to talk to you. But just to, to let you know that we'll know more about that next week. But let's sing, shall we, just now, a, 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 a hymn that, that really asks for God's Spirit to come among us. Holy Spirit, living breath of God. Let us hear the Word of God, and we're going to read this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and I'm reading the first 17 verses. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How could someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Amen. And thanks be to God for His Word. Let's pray. Father, we have sung that song asking that the Holy Spirit would come and change our minds and our attitude and give us a thirst for You. We pray that as we come and meditate on Your Word now, that it wouldn't just be another sermon, but actually by Your Spirit You would touch us, maybe painfully, that You would encourage us with all of your warmth, that we might know the truth of the gospel of your Son. Amen. When I was a young man, all good stories start that way, don't they? When I was a young man, and probably in my 20s, and we were, a group of us all about the same age, and we were training for the ministry at that time, and like most young folk were, we were full of excitement and ideas and enthusiasm. We were going to change the world Remember when you were at that stage? We were going to change the world. We had all sorts of thoughts. If, if, if only this was done and that was done, we could reform the church. If, if the Spirit of God we prayed for, it would revive the church and, and all the things that the Church of Scotland could do that would make a huge big difference. And we were full of this enthusiasm in a tutorial group one day. And over the side, other side of the desk, a rather aging professor looked over his spectacles and said, oh, I, I remember when I said all that when I was your age. Now, you don't have to train for the ministry to know exactly what I'm talking about. It is very important that we listen to the voices of youthful enthusiasm in the church, not because they're wise, although sometimes they are, not because they will give us the answers to what we should do, because Actually, you ask children most of the time what they want, they don't know. It'll change your mind. Why should we? Because actually it changes us. Because what we see in young folk is enthusiasm. What we see in young folk is questions. What we see in young folk is anticipation. What we see in young folk are folks saying, why can't that be different? And yet we are often like that old professor, stuck. We are wise enough to see the problems. 
we are wise and experienced enough to say, we tried that before and it didn't work. And we no longer have the energy or the optimism or the hope. Is that right? It's maybe an overgeneralization, but I think we know what we're talking about there, don't we? I, I like this picture from Calvin, the, not the theologian, Calvin and Hobbes. Um, that place sometimes of what we think is wisdom and experience, but it's actually cynicism and negativity meeting the enthusiasm of youth. Why do I say all of this? Because our passage today asks us to imagine what it would be like if we could become children again. Now, by that, I don't mean physically children, although most of us would like that. But actually, what it would be like if we could yet again have that sort of enthusiasm and hope and energy that is there of youth. What if we could combine that with all the wisdom and experience and skills that we've learned through the years? What would it be like to be a child, but with the brain of an adult? Not the attitude of an adult, but the brain of an adult. Would that be brilliant? There's various films that, that have been there that have done exactly that. They've imagined what it would be like to have an adult in a child's body or the other way around, haven't they? And there's the fun of all of that. Of course, it's nonsense. If you're a sensible person, says the professor looking over his glasses, you know that that can't be the way of it. There's a pattern to life. Birth, childhood, maturity, age, death. It's inevitable. That's just the way it goes. It's a one-way street. You know, people say to me, you know, I'm not getting any younger. By the way, I'm not getting any younger either. By the way, actually, the children aren't. <laughs> it's just the way these things are. But we get locked into these patterns, locked into these patterns, not just with ourselves and our bodies, but with, with any thought of change in us or any thought of change in the church or any thought of change in society. We get locked into these patterns where we think we know the inevitable things, the procession downwards into decay. But what if we were part of a kingdom that was different? Whereas the prophet Joel said, the young men dream dreams and the old men have visions when the Spirit of God is poured out on His people. What if we were part of a people that, Isaac, that Ezekiel shows, was shown in that valley of dry bones when he was asked by the Lord, can these dry bones live? And he said, Lord, only you know but when the Word of God was preached and the Spirit of God flew, that which was impossible came to be. What if we were part of a kingdom where, as Jesus said, when you become like a child, you can enter the kingdom of God, accepting, being dependent on God, a kingdom of new possibilities. Nicodemus is Mr. Sensible. Mr. Rational. He looks at things and observes things and asks questions, which isn't a bad thing. He's looked at Jesus and he said, there's something about you that's different. I can see the signs in, in, in the miracles that you're doing. I, I, God is there somehow, and I want to understand that more. And so he comes to Jesus, and he's met with Jesus saying these amazing things. And he responds, how can someone be born again when they're old? They cannot enter into their mother's womb a second time. Why does he do that? Because Jesus, when he came with his weighing up of the evidence, responded with that shocking statement that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Nicodemus, the facts are the facts. It cannot happen. It cannot be renewed. There's an interesting thing about Nicodemus. He's one of these little characters in the Bible that appears actually three times in the whole of the New Testament. He only gets a verse each time. But interestingly, we're told only one thing about him here. Well, two things. One is that he was one of the, the, the Jewish leaders, one of the Pharisees. But the other thing is that he came to Jesus by night. And that's actually significant. It's not just that that just happened to be the time he came. Because later on in, in John chapter 19, we find Nicodemus again coming by night. In fact, it says in John chapter 19, Nicodemus, who came by night. 
And he comes in chapter 19 on a Friday night to take Jesus' body down from the cross, him and Joseph of Arimathea, and take it to the tomb. Why by night? Well, it might have been because Nicodemus admired Jesus and that was a bit dangerous and so he was keeping it a secret. Nobody should know. But there might be another reason why John says he comes by night and and that is because it's a metaphor. Jesus is the light of the world. And, And Nicodemus comes when you can only just about see it. He comes because he sees something but he doesn't see the whole thing. And Jesus said, you need to be born again to see this. More is needed. Something dramatic has to happen in your life. Something that comes from God. Something of the Holy Spirit entering into it. Because if you just plod on the way you are, working things out, Mr. Sensible, you'll never get it. You'll never understand it. You'll never be filled with this life-transforming gospel. You know, The word sensible, and I use that deliberately because it comes from the word senses. Touch, taste. What's the other ones? Touch, taste, hearing, sight. I've missed one. Smell. Is that right? We've got five. The senses. And a sensible person is somebody who works the world out by using their senses. Um, If you're a philosopher, I think it's called empiricism. Where, where, where everything needs to be um, experimented with and checked it. If you can't do it in a test tube, you can't prove it, it's not worth talking about. That's empiricism. It's sensible. The problem with empiricism, though, is that it doesn't see everything. Now, there's another empiricist in in the Bible, and that's Thomas. Remember the story of Thomas? He says, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, I won't believe it. And there's loads of people in the world today that are like that, aren't they? Particularly in the scientific communities. If I can't prove it, I can't talk about it. But of course, Life is more than what we can touch, see, smell, and hear. I can't touch and smell and hear love, but I know it when I see it. There are things that go beyond that beauty, art, that invite us to a whole new world of meaning. And that's what Jesus means when he says, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, then you'll not get this. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Now, what's he talking about? He's going back right to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we know that God made all things. Out of the dust, he created the mountains and the hills and the stars. He put the animals and the dogs and the bees and the wasps and all the wonders of creation out there. And he said it is good. But when he made all this that was good, it was good, but it wasn't enough. And so he took from the dust... And he shaped a man and a woman. He breathed into them his breath, his spirit, his ruach. And they came alive. And that life wasn't just that they were animated, like animals were animated or trees were animated. It was that something of God was brought to life in them, that they became fully alive. And what Jesus is saying here is, if you want to get this kingdom, if you want to enter into what the Father is doing in the Son, then you need to, as it were, come alive again by God's Spirit. You need to be born again. It's interesting that term has often been associated with American evangelists, and people talk about born-again Christians. Billy Graham didn't coin the term born again. Jesus did. And it's quite clear in this passage that we shouldn't really talk about born-again Christians because there is no other type. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And by by the way, being born again does not mean that something happened to you at a crusade one day when you went forward. For some folk, that was it. For other folk, that birthing process has been a long thing that has happened through your life as you've grown up in it. There's lots of different ways of coming into this new life. But for all of us who have become in Jesus, part of God's family, then we have been born again, fully alive. And of course, all of this leads to that one amazing verse, doesn't it? If ever there was a memory verse, some folks say, I don't, I don't remember any part of Scripture, but I'll bet that's a verse you remember. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. And you may know it in a different version or a different translation or the King James, it doesn't matter. That key verse in the Bible that has changed so much. 
And there's a few things we can just observe from that that click in with what Jesus is saying here. First of all, it starts with God so loved the world. God. This didn't start with me making a decision or me deciding to do something or me pulling my socks up or me looking at the world in a new way or me getting enthusiastic because I've been inspired by children or any of that stuff. It started in the eternal plan of God who made me and shaped me from the beginning. God. And then secondly, God so loved the world. It begins with the love of God. And it begins with the love of God that is for everything. That term, the world, can mean the whole of creation, the whole of the the created order, or it can mean all the people on the earth. God so loved the world, His heart for all people, delighting and seeing all of these things. I, I love that image of God at creation, making all these things and saying it is good, delighting in what He had made. Yes, he would see the brokenness and he would, he, his heart would break at all the sin that came. His anger would rise. But he would just delight. I made that. I love that. That's mine. God so loved the world with an almost childish delight. You know what the children do that? That's another thing we get from children, isn't it? That delight in something new or something remarkable where we look and say, oh, I've seen one of them before. And in that sense, the children are like God because God just delights. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. Now, He sent His only Son. He gave His only Son. And that that is there in that verse is talking about the sending of Jesus, the incarnation, all these things that we believe. But just at one very simple level in that verse it's trying to get us to grasp that this shows us just the extent and capacity of God's love. I remember when Elaine was pregnant with Hannah, our, our second daughter, having an irrational turmoil. And those of you who have got children who have got more than one child will, will know exactly what I'm talking about because I love my daughter, my elder daughter. And at that point, I couldn't understand how I was going to cope with another one. Not all the things that would involve, but how my love would cope. How could I take away some of my love for one daughter and give it to another? Does that make any sense? I know it doesn't actually make any sense, but does, does it make any emotional sense? You just couldn't imagine it, yeah? Because you love with all your heart this child, and, and suddenly you're being asked to love another one, and it seems that love is a zero-sum game. I, I've only got so much, and I have to give it away. But you know, that's a father's love. And here is what God says in this verse. I so loved you that I gave up my child. Now, Intellectually, that is all sorts of things in our heads, but just stop and think about it emotionally. What that verse is saying about God's love for you. What God is saying here, how much we are loved that He would give His Son. You know, one of the the problems that we have in churches, and it lies behind an awful lot of our cynicism, and sometimes our bitterness is that we're actually not sure if God loves us. There's a little bit of us who thinks, well, yes, I I may believe that Jesus died for the world, but I struggled to think He would die for me. I may believe that God would have a plan and a purpose to put His Spirit on the people in the church and they could do things, but not me. And something deep within us leaves us feeling so inferior. And let me tell you right away, what you're hearing when you hear that is the voice of a liar. It's the voice of the devil who is saying into you, God does not really love you. For God so loved the world, said the Scripture, that He gave His only Son. Paul responds to that by saying in Romans 8, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not give us all things? 
And if you go away with nothing else today, go away with this, that God so loved you that he gave his only son. The capacity of God's love. You know, John 3.16 is often used to say that people need to make a decision for Jesus. And that's right. But actually, the enormity of that verse is simply this truth, that God made a decision for me. God chose to love me. And that changes everything. I maybe can't change things. I can't change who I am or what I'm about. But here, God changes everything. Can these dry bones live? Says Ezekiel, only you know, Lord. And here in the gospel, Jesus says, yes. And what does this verse end with? God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him, who responds in this belief, will have eternal life. Now, what does that mean, eternal life? For sometimes, the way it's read is simply that it means we go to heaven when we die and we live forever. It's our, it's our card. It's our, it's our bus pass. It's our ticket. And, and yes, that's right in one way. The Christian should know without doubt that God has said that they will live forever with Him in the new kingdom life. But actually, that's not all that means. Because the word that's used for eternal life isn't just talking about how long the life will be. It's also talking about the quality of that life. Actually, it literally is translated, you will have the life of the new age. Because it's all very well to say, well, I'll live forever if I'm a, if I'm a Christian, but that could be a nightmare. If I lived forever in my rottenness and my bitterness and my cynicism and my sinfulness, and that just kept going on. We, we, we said already, you go from the idealism of a child to the cynicism of middle age to all what. Just imagine that going on forever. Not for 70 years or 80 years or 90 years, but for 10,000 years. What a miserable sod I would be at the end of it. Duration isn't everything. But what God is offering to us here is not just a length of life, not just an extended warranty, but a quality of life, a life of the new age, a life which lives in the dream that will be laid out at the end of the book of Revelation where it talks about a world without pain and suffering, of love, of, of living with the kingdom, of living with God, of community and all of those things. That's the life that God is giving us now that we live into the new age. And that's exciting. It's like that verse that we started with, isn't it? God gave us life and life in all its abundance which wasn't just about lots of it. You know, you talk about lots of um, stuff and you get a really rubbish drink and you don't want lots of it, do you? But you get something that's bubbling over, full of life and full of taste. You want more and more and more. And that's the life that God has given to us. And that is one of the reasons, and this is important to say, why as Christians we have to watch about things like cynicism, negativity. They are of the devil. Because those things creep into us, and what they are saying all the time is that what God is doing that is good isn't really good. It's actually pretty rubbish. What God is doing and healing in people that are broken isn't anything at all. They're no use. It can't change. It's just garbage. And so that cynicism and negativity in, in what God has invested in as He gave His Son for a broken people, oh, it's pointless, it's useless. What God loves, an unmurderous spirit enters into us. So we need to reject that entirely. Two things in finishing. There may be some here who have never known what it is to know this life. You must be born again. There's an invitation here every time this is preached, indeed in every sermon, right now to say yes to God and to that life that He gives. It's not a trick. It's not a set of intellectual beliefs. It's simply to say, Lord, You have sent Your Son for me and I give myself to You in return.
But for many of us here, we do know these things. We do know the miracle of the gospel that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins that we might be forgiven and we might have eternal life. But one of the things that we need reminded of because it does not sink in is that this isn't just this transformation that we live forever. But this is this Holy Spirit breathed into us that our lives might be transformed right now. That the bitterness, the heart, the rage inside, the hopelessness that sometimes almost overwhelms us, God's Spirit is coming to heal to cleanse, to bring new life, the life of a child into all of that. Do you believe that God can do that? Do you believe that God wants to do that? Can you take Him at His word when He said, I loved you so much that I sent my son, not just that you might live forever, but that you might have and be and bubble over with the life of the new age itself. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we live in a, a time where it's so easy to be negative. Our society abounds with problems that seem insolvable. The worries of economics, of household finances, of pandemics, of wars in Europe again, overwhelm us. The church sometimes seems so broken, and particularly as we go through presbytery planning, and it looks just like giving up. But we come today to the cross and to the words of Him who gives life, to Jesus Christ Himself, and we would hear them again. We would know Your love for us. We would know that You are the God who breathes new life into, into dry bones. You are the God who pours out Your Spirit on cynical old men and women. You're the God who promises healing and, and revival and change. You're the God who says to people who think, I'm always going to be like this, that you want to take us and mold us and shape us into the likeness of your Son. You're the God who hears the hearts of our hearts and says, I want to pour grace that you might be knowing that you're forgiven and you might be able to forgive. You're the God that wants to change us from naysayers into encouragers, from people who see only ugliness to those who celebrate beauty. Oh Lord, we pray that we would be able to do that in our time. We pray, Lord, for a work of your Holy Spirit on your church, even in its brokenness. We pray today, particularly for our Church of Scotland, oh Lord, we just lift all the problems before you, believing that you can do something, that you can do anything. We lift before you our congregation here. As our organizations start back, as boys' brigades and girls' brigades and guides and brownies and all the other things begin, we pray for our Sunday school, our young folk out next door. And we pray for a work of your Spirit that this place might be a place of that eternal life. And so repenting of our cynicism, acknowledging our incapacity to do, we turn again to you and ask for your Spirit to breathe upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to close by singing, There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son.
now we go. We go in the name of that God who sent His Son. In the love of the Father. In the power of the Son who rose again from the dead. And in the strength of the Holy Spirit poured out upon us to be His people wherever we go. May the blessing of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be yours now and forever.